Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. Are you gonna love them or hate them? Here comes the binge. Hey everybody, welcome to The Binge, in which a couple of homos review the latest movie theater releases. I am Jason Leroy. And I'm Rebecca Larte, and today we have three movies for you. Hereditary, Damsel, and Boundaries. And as always, we're going to rate these movies on a three-tiered scale, with Binge It being our highest rating. Consumer moderation means it's okay, but it's kind of meh. And send it back means... Life is too short for that mess. Indeed. Jason, how's it going with you? You know, it's going okay. And uh, and I know, speaking of things that are short, one thing that is short right now is our battery power, guys. <laughs> We're on 22%. We are in a rush. We're in a mad dash to get this thing taped before we go kaput. Um, so we're going to forego some of our getting to know you uh, conversations. Mm. Movies, they're e- great, huh? Yep, even though great. it's been a long time since we've had a new episode. Right. Um, as you may have seen uh, we, us announced on Facebook, we had a little technical snafu in which two episodes that we had taped are now lost forever. Mm-hmm. I've um, gone actually through. Actually three total. Three, uh, yeah. Including the great lost episode that we've teased as this apocryphal text mm-hmm. um, that was recorded while we were all very drunk last December. Um, that's now gone forever, as well as two episodes that we taped over the last month or so. Mm-hmm. All gone. We are sad, but we must soldier onward with more new episodes in the hopes that that won't happen again. Um, I will say one movie that we didn't review on any episode, but that I did watch recently and love very much, is Won't You Be My Neighbor? Mm. Yes. I've been wanting to see that. I Mr. feel Rogers like it's documentary. going to be too good for me to see. Too good. Yeah, it's going to hit me too much in the feels. I mean, as much as I hate feelings, I also, I felt a lot of things while I was watching wow. it. And, you know, I don't cry, but it brought me as close as I possibly get, almost probably like three or four times. Wow. It's just so beautiful. Just let it wash over you. It's a balm for these times. Highly, highly recommend. Uh, it's amazing. But uh, but we do apologize for those last episodes, as well as for our, our spotty at best uh, output of these last few months. But uh, we've put some technical issues behind us, and uh, aside from our low battery, <laughs> so we're planning <laughs> on just soldiering onward and uh, and bringing you guys some new episodes, starting with this one right now. I do want to add quickly that um, my uh, teammate was talking about how he went to go see uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor, and then he came home to show his daughter, Mr. Rogers, on YouTube, and then he had put it on and didn't realize how he was like basically meditating, watching the show. He's like, I haven't felt that calm in mm. a long time. Oh, my God. Um, and now like he just like hangs out with his daughter and watches Mr. Rogers. Oh, that's old so episodes. beautiful. Yeah, that's it was so really, really something else. The power, it's like you really, you can't even put words to it. Like it really does have that kind of just like this, this meditative, contemplative mm. gorgeousness to it. I mean, he was... You know, Fred Rogers was actually, and he was, he was like an ordained minister, mm-hmm. um, you know, and he brought that kind of prayerful quality to his work without being in any way, uh, you know, didactic religiously. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, yeah, just, and, and there's no giant bombshells about how he was secretly a monster, um, which is, right. which is truly the miracle here. Yeah, definitely. Um, speaking of secretly a monster, let's move on to our first movie of the week, which is Hereditary. After the family matriarch passes away, a grieving family is haunted by tragic and disturbing occurrences and begin to unravel dark secrets. Mom? I don't like this. Dad, I don't like this. What's happening? Tina! Don't you ever raise your voice to me! I am your mother! Raise your mom! Mom, what's happening? Make it stop! Make it stop! 
I just don't want to put any more stress on my family. Jason, so we saw this one after it came out. Yes. Um, this is one that many of you requested, mm-hmm. uh, wanted to know what we thought of it. And uh, and it was just that I feel like it happens every year, like the first week of June, we always miss because mm-hmm. one or both of us are traveling, which was the case this time. That's when we vacation. And that's always when like the biggest buzz movie this summer always hits is the first weekend of June. Mm. And uh, so we've, <laughs> we did it again. Um, and we missed Hereditary as well as Ocean's 8. Uh, but we did go see it because so many of you asked uh, what we thought about it. And we paid for it like chumps. We will be billing all of you on Venmo um, to pay us back for those tickets. <laughs> um, not because it was bad, but just because we shouldn't have to pay for movies. Look, we give this service of the world free of charge. Um, so, But we did watch Hereditary. We did. We saw it uh, on uh, on a Monday evening. We saw it the night after Pride Sunday. Yes. We made the plans while very drunk. Mm-hmm. Um, and I bought the tickets while very drunk. Mm-hmm. And we stand in the front row. I was very always con- weird. I was very concerned that we weren't actually going to pull it together to see it when I realized, oh, those were junk plans and those don't usually happen. But we pulled it off. We cleaned up nice and went to go see Hereditary. We cleaned up. I ordered a bunch of drinks. <laughs> you did two at a time. <laughs> and uh, yes, and uh, we, we had, we thought of the Alamo Draft House and we had this server. Wow. She kept who, reading everyone's, because in Alamo, you write it down on a piece of paper and you put it in front of you so yeah. that they can serve. Uh, they give serve you food and drink at food. Alamo. If you're not familiar, they serve food and drink at the Alamo Draft House theaters. But since it's while the movie is going on, you, they just like kind of scurry by and then they pick up the piece of paper and then they scurry back and they, um, fulf- they fulfill your order. Yes. Um, but this woman, like, had, I mean, it was before the movie started, so I get that. it was still during that. previews, though. Yeah, it was during previews, and she would just stand up and, like, read in, like, a, a not-at-all-inside voice. very loud, commanding, just, like, car horn of a voice. Yeah, and just read back your order to you. And it was, like, you know, it was silent because people were watching the trailer. And Dead she was silent. Like, and her voice would boom out through this theater. And at first, I thought it was just going to happen to Rebecca. Mm-hmm. Um, because they were sitting there, and this woman comes over and looks at Rebecca's little order ticket. And she's just like... So that'll be the butter truffle popcorn. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was like, ha, 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 laughing at Rebecca's face. Like, oh, you're embarrassed. And then she looks at mine. And then she stands up and says, sir, we're not allowed to bring out two drinks at a time. <laughs> that was amazing. Um, and uh, it was a, a terrifying start to a terrifying movie. <laughs> it really was. It just got scarier from there. So, um, so it seems like so Hereditary has been a buzz movie since it premiered at Sundance in January this year, and A twenty four bought it, which only, of course, adds to buzz value still at this point in time. And uh, you know, and then it was I think it also may have screened at South by where it picked up even more mm-hmm. buzz. And you know, I do think that you know by the time that we saw it, since it had already been open in San Francisco for like two weeks or so at that point. Uh, you know, I feel like maybe I had heard just a bit too much buzz. So, you know, so I, I really wish that we could have seen it earlier mm-hmm. so that we could have had maybe a more sort of just organic experience of watching it. Um, you know, because I don't know, I just have that awful, that that reflex, you know, where you hear too much, too many people being fanning out on something and you just want to be like, well, I'm not going to like it. I mean, I guess that's what everyone who listens to this podcast feels <laughs> every week. 
Clearly, um, yes. What we're doing is, I know, if I, that's why I don't listen to movie review podcasts. It re- goes one of two ways. I don't listen to them. I only make them. Uh, <laughs> because I don't want people telling me what I'll like. Whenever mm-hmm. anyone says, whenever like there's a clickbait article, like the next movie you'll be obsessed with, I'm like, fuck you, I'm not going to like that movie at all. Because I'm great. So, um, but we still watch Hereditary, and um, and I mean, it was still good. Yeah, it was still good. Um, End of review. Next and movie. Next. <laughs> Just go ask. Go ask your friends or our friends because they have plenty to say about Literally, it. Literally, we're the last two people on Earth who had not yet seen it, and now we have, and there's nothing more to say about it. And so, mm-hmm. no. So okay. So a lot of the talk uh, around this movie has been the freak out level how scary Mm. is it Mm -hmm. rebecca were you scared uh yeah i was definitely um i mean what does scared mean right first of all there's that but um (laughs) it was scared mean in the in the in in trump's america trump's america yeah yeah am i scared that someone's gonna shoot up the theater maybe yeah exactly also always yeah you're like Um, what's what's a few like apparitions hiding in the corner of a room and some smiling naked people mm -hmm. um in in this day and age really one of the scariest things about this movie (laughs) yeah right it's a real delight um yeah i had seen a tweet that was like uh uh off to the movies to escape you know um to to live in the world of fantasy and escape the harsh realities of life and there was a photo of their ticket to see hereditary (laughs) 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 um but one of the things that was scary uh most to me in this movie, um, which does kind of like have that one foot in reality, is that they really make a lot of the um, amazing surround sound effects. Mm. There's a lot of like sounds coming from behind you and like loud crashes, like in a very like, you know, um, uh, isolated, like back into the right where it's like, is somebody like walking in here? Like what is going on? You're like, right. Kind of, it makes you feel like it's more of a 3D experience. But not like jump scares. No, 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 not jump scares. But um yeah, there's a there's a certain sound that goes with the movie, but then mm-hmm. there's a lot of like, are people creak creak creaking up um, yeah. from around you? That was that was very scary to me. Yeah, and I think that's great. You know, that's a very that's a great detail to have in any sort of ghost story, and I think that resonates with like when any of us are just freaked out when we're just by ourselves. You know, mm-hmm, you're laying mm-hmm. in bed, and you hear a weird creaking noise, and then your 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 senses just get super heightened, and you're just listening for that noise again so you'd be like well what is that mm-hmm, what is mm-hmm. that noise can i explain it um that's certainly me most nights <laughs> um before i go and double check my lock again but uh the movie has a lot of that stuff and you know so we have you know what starts off i think the thing about hereditary that and we were talking about this a bit earlier we just came back from brunch um and this is this is we're hoping hopefully this this one doesn't follow the curse of the last post brunch mm. recording that we made which is now the lost episode um but so you know the most of hereditary seems like it's it's setting up a fairly straightforward um but but nonetheless but you know still very powerful kind of allegory about loss mm. and um and 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 families grieving um, you know, toxic family relationships, mm-hmm. mental illness, mental illness. Um, it seems like it's setting up all these very grounded things, but of course, using these sorts of supernatural elements to heighten them mm-hmm. and dramatize them. But then it has this sort of grand guignol finale mm-hmm. that just goes that goes just wildly off the rails. Yeah, that's what disappointed me the most. You know, and it's not like it wasn't. You know, it's so tricky because I saw somebody saying that, like, the thing that makes Hereditary so great is that it does the thing that most modern horror films don't, which is it actually still delivers 
as opposed to so many like restrained minimalistic modern horror movies mm-hmm. where they just refuse to deliver in the end mm-hmm. and they're like well that's art um you know like hereditary gives you a fucking lot mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. if anything like it, it the you know the pacing and the amount of information that it gives you it just like skyrockets in the in the final act mm-hmm. after a very controlled evenly paced and incredibly unsettling first two thirds yeah, it it has that the the what what I usually find the scariest in movies, and um, I, I hate this movie for the fact that we're gonna have to talk about Rosemary's Baby once again. <laughs> it, uh, apparently, I'm like a you know one note pony about horror movies, and it's just comparing it to that movie. But this one really is very much like that movie oh. where, you know, you spend the first half feeling like it's you and feeling like it is you know mental mm-hmm. illness, um, yeah, gaslighting, yeah, being being. Um, out of touch with reality and then you know as as things start to show up in the real world to other people um i don't know i guess it was disappointed disappointed that it wasn't all in her mind at the end Mm. because again similarly to rosemary's baby it becomes this like supernatural otherworldly you know group of people um and it just i don't know it it takes that jump uh to somewhere where you you lose i don't know you lose me Oh, a one-note pony. I'm picturing you as like a little pony with a little note around your neck that just says, Rosemary's baby. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, there's that pony again. With that I was picturing note. a pony with like one of those little toy pianos. It's just like, bing, <laughs> bing, <laughs> bing. There are other notes, pony. <gasps> bing. Poor pony doesn't know any better. Um, yeah, it was very much, you know, it's a combination of Rosemary's baby and The Shining. You mm-hmm. know, it's definitely barring influences from the best of the best. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because we have with Rosemary's Baby, we have this sort of mounting sense of like, okay, is it, is there, is something super creepy happening that maybe involves a cult or is it actually just on our protagonist's mind? Mm-hmm. And similarly to The Shining, we have this sort of the arc of our protagonist where they are gradually going crazy, mm-hmm. but in a very dangerous, hostile, aggressive way, mm-hmm. like Jack Nicholson in The Shining, unlike Mia Farrow in Rosemary's Baby, where she just gets more and more, like, damselly mm-hmm. and more and more just, like, distraught, but, like, is never, you know, like, she's never going to, like... I mean, I guess she thinks she's going to kill somebody, but she's never scary. She's yeah, oh, just no. Mia Farrow. Even, when, even if she's branching a knife, she still has her little pixie cut, mm. um, and she's adorable. Um, but Which feels more like the Sun character in Hereditary. Yeah. yeah that's kind of the arc true. he goes through. Yeah, so we have uh, we have playing. So we have so Tony Collette is married to Gabriel Byrne in the film. They have two children who are both teenagers, one older, one younger. Uh, the older is played is is played by an actor named Alex Wolf, who is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. He and Tony Collette uh, both deserve to be in awards conversations for this movie. I yeah. think. Um, and he, I, I thought he was his, he, so he has a brother named Nat Wolf, who I'm more familiar with, who's been in a lot of movies like, um, Paper Towns, he was in Fault in Our Stars, uh, he was in Grandma, I think. Um, and, but it's interesting because his brother, Alex, in this movie is more, is darker complected mm-hmm, mm-hmm. than his brother. And uh, to the point where I was like, where do I know him from? And it turns out that he played the sexy younger Boston bomber and the <laughs> Rolling Stone cover boy, Boston bomber, um, from Patriot's Day. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that checks out. That checks out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, so we have this family of four and, um, uh, you know, we watch them all sort of turn on each other, but, uh, but, you know, we have Tony Collette similarly to The Shining, gradually emerges as as a very, very real, very scary threat to her family. And, you know, and so and the movie does have so much that goes back to, like, 
you know, like previous generations mm-hmm. and mental illness and, and backstories in terms of things that, you know, her, her character used to do sleepwalking or ways that she's made her family feel unsafe. And, um, and so it does have that kind of, but, you know, so, but then, I don't know, it just kind of fucks it up in the end by basically throwing that all out the mm-hmm, window mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then just making it this sort of, yeah, like this, this big, you know, sort of like shrieking finale, which again, independent of the rest of the movie is a very jarring mm-hmm. and very terrifying finale, but it just feels like it just undoes like how artfully the film has set up all of the different stakes in terms of the family and their relationships with each other. It reminded me a little bit of Mother, where mm. it seems like um, by like sort of kitchen sinking it at the end, mm. you, it, yeah, you sort of undid the. I don't know. I guess it's like, am I asking for something to be a little bit more formulaic? But it's like. I don't know why did why do we invest so much in the story of you know like she she kind of goes to this therapy group because she's dealing with the loss of her mother um, mm-hmm. at the beginning, and you find out like she kind of has this breakdown where at first she's like I, I shouldn't even be here but then it's like and then my mother did this and then my brother killed himself right. and then my father died this way like so then she like you know very um, to the shock of everyone else in this, uh, mm-hmm. this help group right. um, breaks down that there's a significant issue that we should be paying attention to with her family yes just to find out in the end that it's like I don't know. I don't know, sort of for not. Yeah, that it's kind of like it, it, it's it's this kind of red herring. Yeah, it's a it's a as as our friend Katie Vertal called it in the Artali review, an okie doke. Yes, <laughs> kind of an okie doke at the end where it's like, oh, okay, so like all that sort of like nuanced psychological, um, you know, profiling has that's gone on this whole movie is now out the window in favor of this kind of like just much more conventional like oh okay so it's just this thing that we've all seen before mm-hmm. and the same thing like uh, a big part of the movie is the fact that she's Tony Collette is an artist who makes these miniatures these incredibly beautiful detailed mm-hmm. miniatures mm-hmm. and you kind of like you enter the movie that way yeah. and then you see uh, as these events happen in the movie she starts to just do them, pump them out really fast in real time of the things that are going on in addition to um, you know making them about uh, other scenes in the past and that feels like it's going to have some sort of significance as well. Oh, like, yeah. why, you know, who's, what's the real story here? Is there a story within a story? Right. Why is she making these things? Um, yeah. But then that kind of goes nowhere as yeah, well. Yeah, they don't really set much up with that. I guess it's kind of, you know, they, they're somewhat used for exposition, mm-hmm. um, you know, or to kind of to flesh out things that are hinted at. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, you're right. It, it kind of sets up things that don't really go anywhere. And I'm sure it just exists in some sort of, symbolic way but I my mind doesn't work like that yeah it's one of those where I'm like am I too dumb to figure it figure it out um yeah it's tough Um, which is you know possible yeah it is possible but you know I mean it seems like it's a common refrain with people when they criticize this movie and I think the difference between this and mother I would say is that for me when mother goes full ape shit uh in the final act it is it is masterfully done and it is the realization of what the of what the whole movie's been building up to mm. um you know i feel like the, that mm-hmm. that that movie i think has a has an arc that requires that just full riot that breaks out mm-hmm. at the end mm-hmm. and uh, it's in keeping with the biblical analogy of the whole movie but uh but in the case of hereditary it doesn't seem to be going in that direction and i think that yeah, I think, I guess maybe the bummer is that it does end with just sort of like an objective evil. Mm-hmm. So it's like yeah. instead of the ambiguity mm-hmm. of of just like psychological trouble and family dysfunction, it ends with there just being, oh, you know, there was an, there, there was an objectively, plainly, unambiguously evil presence all along. 
Right. And that is the culprit here. Not not families, not people and their choices, not, you know, the 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 weak, frail human mind. Um no. It's it there's just been an evil presence all along. And that's when it, it, it's it, grounding the whole first part of this movie in reality and very real things. You know, people being in high school and having yeah. friends and having jobs and going to cars, you know, having driving right. cars around, having allergies, having allergies. But so, so why even like how is this even the same world that is the world at the end where um, yeah. it's how, like where do they go back to work? Like that doesn't make any sense. Why even mm-hmm. go there in the first place if it becomes something that we we can't at all tie to? Yeah, and I feel like you know we're definitely spending a lot of time you know, criticizing this movie, maybe mm. because probably, you know, which is, I think is for me at least is a, is a reflex, uh, because of all the praise that's been heaped on it. Um, also it's so close. Yeah. It gets so close to just being brilliant. Yeah. And it's just ultimately frustrating. I feel like it's like one step back from like a David Lynch movie where you could say like, I'm okay with the ride. Okay. It won't make sense. I, mm-hmm. I am. I, that's what I'm expecting. But here they get so close to trying to tie it together. And then when it doesn't, it's just like, it's super frustrating. Yeah, yeah, and there's, you know, there's a specific moment for me where it kind of jumps the shark that involves Ann Dowd. The mm-hmm. Ann Dowd rule mm-hmm. does mm-hmm. apply here, <laughs> yep. which is keep your eye on Ann Dowd. Always. And, uh, and she's never going to be as, as as cheerful as she appears. Uh, or what I was reading, I think, Ingu's review of this movie, and she said, you know, Ann Dowd has the unique ability to um, to have her delight in something seem like it's somehow foreshadowing the end of the world. True. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sure. But uh, but yeah, there's a reveal of Anne Dowd that kind of kicks off the final act mm. where, yeah, for me, it just yeah, it moves into a much more, con- it becomes a much more conventional horror movie, yeah. much more conventional horror ghost story, even though it's still <laughs> some fucking over the top insane shit that it shows you mm-hmm. that is definitely not what you would see in the average horror movie. No, not at all. Um, so I still, my, my hat's off to it just for, it is exhilarating still, the final act. It just feels like it becomes a different movie mm-hmm. and not in a way that is, is that connected to the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. tony collette however holy shit <laughs> wow 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 what a performance um yeah, she's I, on another level i stand with everyone else who has already praised this performance and and suggested that she be remembered come end of the year uh because i mean tony collette is has always been one of our finest and she to date only has a single oscar nomination which was for a somewhat similar performance in The Sixth Sense. Mm. So something about the way Toni Collette plays fear, when she, the way she plays fearful mothers, um, really? is, is what really brings her that award's attention. Overall, the casting in general is really, really on point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Gabriel Byrne is the sort of steady, loving, centering uh, father of the family. Mm-hmm. As you mentioned, um, Nate Alex Wolf, Wolf. Alex Wolf. Wolf. Mm-hmm. Um, just like a little Toni Collette. It really, yeah. He really um, he gives was, a... Ugh terrifying he goes performance he, he really takes you with him like he's like you i think he has such yeah he has such i don't know he has such access and he has this ability to really pull the audience into the absolute torment mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that his character goes through um yeah you it's know, hard it's hard to say you would you know it's you find the teenage boy the most like right. you know sympathetic right. um you just yeah. want to you want to save him from, from yeah. what's happening. Well, in some ways, he's the most, like, relatable character. Yeah. You know, he yeah. really has, like, all he wants to do is just, like, go, like, smoke a bowl with a girl he thinks is cute. Yeah. That's literally the thing that leads to the worst thing that happens in the entire movie. And it's a horrible thing. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, that's all All he wants to do is just be a teenager. And, uh, and, and then it leads to, it's the beginning of the end. 
so uh, yeah, he's remarkable. The, the young actress who plays his younger sister is absolutely horrifying to the point where I was Googling <laughs> who she was and if there was something wrong with her because she was so convincingly like awkward, awkward and eerie and like, and you're just like, this is, is this acting? Because if it is, and I think it is because it turns out that she played, what did I find out? She played, um, oh, like Madeline or something? Pl- or no, Matilda. Matilda. I think she played Matilda on Broadway. <laughs> uh, so this actress, her, I think her name is like Millie, Millie something. Mm. Um, which is, it's a, the, apparently the name Millicent, by the way, is on an upswing. Is it? Because the young deaf actress in A Quiet Place was also named uh, Millicent. Uh, so, guys, I don't Let's know. Let's not sleep on Daryl. I don't know. I don't know when that came back. Um, I am uneasy about it. But, I, oh, Millie Shapiro. Millie Shapiro mm. is her name. Um, she's fantastic. And I believe this is a filmmaking debut by a gentleman named Ari Astor. Uh, which is another one of those names where it's like, is that your real name, sir? <laughs> is your baptismal name Ari Aster? Uh, and Probably not a baptismal name. Not a baptismal name. That's fair. That's fair. I don't know what you're trying to say. Um, let's see. What has he directed before? He has... I'm just openly just looking now on IDB while we record. <laughs> okay, so he's done a series of shorts, but Hereditary is his feature debut. And Jesus... It's beautiful for a feature what debut. What a debut. And so, of course, you know, it might fall into some of the traditional first film traps of just trying to stuff too much in um but like wow just like the you know because he wrote it too Mm. and so i mean it's it's an unforgettable debut you know like flaws aside it is still just an unforgettable movie it is for sure a horror movie people will be talking about for years to come um what are you giving it i'm giving it a binge it still i'm also still giving it a binge it awesome Hereditary is rated R for horror violence, disturbing images, language, drug use, and brief graphic nudity. So graphic. Oh, yeah. Turns out that what the movie understands more than anything else is that few things are more frightening in this world than a fully nude adult smiling. Mm-hmm. Um, and that brings us to our second movie this week, Damsel, which is our pick of the week. It's the Wild West circa 1870. Samuel Alabaster, an affluent pioneer, ventures across the American frontier to marry the love of his life, Penelope. As his group traverses the West, the one simple journey grows treacherous, blurring the lines between hero, villain, and damsel. Jason, did you had you read anything about damsel before going into it? Not a whole lot. This is another movie. Like actually, I think all three of the movies that we're reviewing this week all were Sundance movies, mm-hmm. um, because we are at that time of the year where the movies from Sundance that were lucky enough to pick up distribution, mm. but not lucky enough to be considered good enough to be released in the fall, are all being released. Uh, so I heard about Damsel when it opened in Sundance and, um, and yeah, I I knew that it was some sort of modern Western. I knew that it starred Robert Pattinson and Mia Wasikowska and that was about it. Uh, so no, I, I came to it fairly fresh. I certainly didn't know about the twists that, Mm. uh, that happen. It is a twisty movie. It is constantly upending expectations in Mm -hmm. a really brilliant way. But what about you? Did you, did you know much about it? No, I didn't know anything about it. Um, but you know, you kind of go into it. It starts off as in this you know beautiful opening mm-hmm. um, scene, and I, I was expecting a western right. with Robert Forster. Mm-hmm. And oh yeah, right. Uh, oh, I forgot about that opening. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not expecting it to be a comedy. Hmm. Is it a comedy? It kind of is, right? It's a it's like a, it's, it's a super. This is like the most eccentric movie. Yes, it really is very weird, and it's a really funny comparison actually with boundaries, which we'll talk about next. 
because Boundaries is a movie that is very self-consciously quirky in a really inauthentic way. Mm. But this is the real deal. This is weird, weird as hell. And in a really just delightful way. I will own that I did not see the previous movie by... So it's directed by... Brothers, which I, I'm so... That's Pattinson's new thing. I have such an irrational hatred of movies that are directed by brothers. Because, you know, if there's one thing the world needs more than movies directed by one white guy, it's movies <laughs> directed by two of them. Coming for you, Russos. And in this Softies. Ca- and in this case, also starring them. Yeah. Similarly, also one of the softies was mm-hmm. in Good Time. And now we have literally both of the brothers, who I believe are, are David and... Nathan? Pa- Nathan Zellner. Mm-hmm. Um, both of whom are writers and directors in this movie, and both of whom are basically the only actors who appear in the entire movie for the vast majority of it, aside from the two previously mentioned leads, which I think is obnoxious. Don't force yourself on me in your movie. Go hire a fucking actor. Um, but you know, but that said, I think they were really great. They were good, though. They were I really know. good. I, know. I don't know if he's That's been in other... I think they're just in their own movies. But so they made the movie um, Kumiko. The what's it called? Look it up. You're on the page. Wow, the treasure hunter. Yeah, there it is. There it is. Which I um, wanted to see. I know. Now I really want to see. That's. I was going to say, that's what I was trying to lead with was like, I will own that I did not see Kumiko, the treasure hunter. We have something to do. Yes. Um. So we should watch that. It was certainly a, a, a buzzed about movie that I heard no end of things about. It sounded like a movie that I would be very interested in, mm-hmm. um, but never watched it. So Damsel is our first experience with the Zellner Brothers. And, you know, and people have- Wait, com- have you seen Ain't Them Body Saints? That's not, that's David Lowry directed that. Oh, he's just in it. So he is an uh, actor. Okay. Yeah, no, they're both, yeah, I mean, I was surprised and still annoyed when I looked up and to be like, I'm like, who are those two <laughs> actors playing this? Oh, 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 well, fuck them. Um, But yeah, so people have compared them, the Zellners, a bit to the Coens. Mm. They're sort of, they seem like a bit more sort of like artfully weird versions of the Coens that are maybe mm. willing to go a bit more, push a bit fuller into absurdity. Um, but still play a lot with just like comedic ineptitude. Mm-hmm. And Robert Pattinson delivers on the comedic wow. ineptitude. Wow. Hardcore. He is so fucking funny. He really is. He, yeah. It's it's such an amazing role of someone who, um, the character that is, is really pointed to as a doofus um, over doofus. and over again. Complete doofus. Um, and, 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 you know, and it's a surprise, uh, you know, like it's this doofus who has a surprising arc mm-hmm. and, uh, and yeah, Pattinson plays him so brilliantly, uh, you know, n- with no vanity, just like mm-hmm. knows how to lean perfectly into the comedy, the absurdity of the character. Um, you know, it, it just knows how to play up being basically a doofus, um, and, with, and without winking like a, at the screen or anything. Not even like a too far doofus. No. Like a still like able to, to do things and be sort of kind of course correct a bit in his, yeah. in his mistakes. Um, so it's not even like a broad stroke doofus. No, no. Um, and that's so charming. And that's part of what makes it so powerful in terms of, so I would, you know, I would categorize this as a feminist Western. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and a big part of this sort of twist that occurs around midway through has to do with the fact that, like, you know, even though he is this, like, sort of, like, charming, like, harmless doofus, uh, you know, like, the the, the seemingly harmless doofuses of the world can still be, uh, can still perpetrate a lot of really harmful, sort of regressive, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, sort of, like, gender role bullshit and do a lot of really intense projection 
uh, onto women uh, of their sort of romantic frustrations and needs Mm -hmm. and uh, can carry out some pretty heinous shit Mm -hmm. in the name of supposedly protecting women right? while not actually being in any way in touch with what a woman wants. Mm -hmm. Especially in 1870s Old West. Right. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it heightens it a little bit. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so Pattinson is, yeah, he plays this guy who just like grabs this, this person, um, and makes him drag, drag, drags this guy along so he can marry, uh, Pattinson, his fiance played by Mia Wasikowska. And he's under the impression that she has been kidnapped and he's going to go rescue her and then marry her. And it's gonna be this big grand romantic thing. Things don't quite go as planned. And, um, and then she kind of takes the movie over and holy shit, Mm. she -hmm. is just so fucking good in everything. It really is amazing. She is so good in everything. She really captures, like, she takes control of this role, Mm -hmm. um, and the, and the opportunity in this, in the second half of this movie and owns it, Mm -hmm. owns the hell out of it. Yeah. She is, I mean, I think that she's, she's so chameleonic despite the fact that she has such a weird kind of presence. Mm. Um, mm. You know, she's chameleonic both in the sense that she's versatile and also vaguely reptilian. <laughs> uh, but, but you've seen that third eyelid, huh? <laughs> I saw that thing blinking at me. <laughs> so uh, no, she is a genius, and this is a, a really terrific role for her. Uh, you know, the entire movie has such a distinct visual eye to it. Mm. It almost reminded me of um, Swiss Army Man for somewhere. I think just like mm. the overall mm-hmm. aesthetic of it reminded me of Swiss Army Man, mm-hmm. and that kind of just like that uh, sort of like cultivated eccentricity um but less you know Swiss Army Man which of course was was directed I believe by the Daniels oh right oh that's the worst of all the oh, brothers really the worst they, they weren't even brothers I think they're just two unrelated guys who were both oh, named Daniel, Daniel. they're oh, like God. we're directed by Daniels they weren't even the they were just like we're Daniels well God. see I feel like Swiss Army Man had one foot in the like too self-awarely quirky um, as well this is a little bit this is less than that yes yeah yeah this is i mean this doesn't have the the bold conceit of a farting daniel radcliffe corpse (laughs) this is a bit more grounded than that um although i think i believe we said that that movie was still surprisingly powerful despite Mm -hmm, yeah the farting corpse but or because of or because of i mean it had a bit of a hateful eight like even though the hateful eight had that like what is it 70 millimeter like mm -hmm. you know it it still had a a similar kind i mean maybe that's just what westerns are maybe westerns can be um but i mean immediately it's like you know this uh miniature horse has mm-hmm. a big big it's, presence that you're not expecting to see yeah, in like guys. a very serious western you know we, we we thought we said goodbye to little sebastian <laughs> is it the same but, horse but we say hello again um i don't know if it's, it's exactly <laughs> i have to imagine it's not the same horse um but it looks just like little sebastian mm-hmm. and yes and the name is butterscotch <laughs> which is precious um, we have a really outstanding score by the Octopus Project. Really? That's a, it? Yeah, that, which is a band I hadn't heard from in a while. Mm. And so they did the score, which is just this really sort of just perfectly evocative, sort of like bare, stark, kind of like bluegrass, you know, mixed mm-hmm. with, mm-hmm. you know, more cinematic stuff. Uh, really, really incredible. And yeah, just every turn the movie took, I was like, this is, I am delighted. I am like, so mm-hmm. I'm thoroughly delighted. It does take a bit of time to really get its momentum going yeah and it, it really leans into awkward moments we were talking about yeah. this earlier like there's this one moment where some someone is like he's like going to hang people 
And then they just like let him sit in this awkwardness of like over a minute of him trying to figure out how to like oh, tie, a, tie a noose. Yeah. And it, you're sitting there and watching it and it gets more absurd, more absurd <laughs> as you're just like waiting. It's painful to watch. Yeah. And there are a lot of these moments where it's just painful to watch people. You know, it's painful to watch the the, the, the parson at the end kind mm-hmm. of like try to get his redemption. Um, yes. It just it really puts you out there with, with people being incredibly vulnerable and, um, you know, not cleaned up in their best light for a movie. Yes. Yes. And, uh, and, you know, and, and with all that, I feel like it's done well. All those details are done well. Mm, it reminds know. me a bit of the lobster. Mm, yes, yes. Yeah, I would agree. It does have that kind of, you know, that, that Yorgos Lanthimos kind of controlled deadpan absurdity to mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Um, with maybe a bit more kind of overt yes. humor. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but all the same, you know, it's definitely in that school. And that's probably why we're responding to it so well, because it's that kind <laughs> of humor that we love so much. And. And uh, yeah, like just right to the end, I was like, I am so on board with mm-hmm. everything I'm seeing. This is so well done. And yet it surprised me. Yeah. It, it was a surprising movie. Yeah, I definitely want to be careful not to, to talk about any of the, the yeah. twists. The twists, um, the okie dokes. I'm definitely going to watch this again. Yeah, I would like to watch it again, too. Um, I am a fan. That's why I'm in favor of this being our pick of the week. Indeed. Plus, uh, agreed with that. It's a binge it for me. Binge it. Damsels rated R for some violence, language, sexual material, and brief graphic nudity. And that brings us to our last movie of the week, which Jason has already given you a spoiler, is kind of a meh. Uh, Boundaries. Laura is a well-meaning single mother who is forced to drive her estranged, pot-dealing father Jack from Texas to California with her troubled son Henry along for the ride. While Jack uses Henry and the road trip to help him distribute his copious amounts of marijuana, Laura finally confronts Leonard, her deadbeat ex-husband. Have you spoken with your father recently? He called, but I did not pick up. So you set a boundary. I do notice you have a kitten hidden in your purse. Were you hiding it from me? I think our hour is up. Oh, you finally called me back. You got kicked out of your home, didn't you? We can't have men of such low moral integrity bringing down the place. Oh, please. Dad needs a place to stay. Last time Dad stayed with me, the FBI followed me to work for a week. I would take him, but he's a horrible example for Henry. Does this mean I'll get to see you guys? No, I would put him on a plane. I'm not driving that heap cross country. But I'd like to spend some time with you two. Absolutely not. I didn't have the pleasure of seeing Boundaries, so Jason's going to have to take this one all on his own. <laughs> As, are you going to be okay? Have you ever reviewed a movie before? I mean, uh, take the train goals off, I guess, is what you're just throwing me to the deep end. Yeah, you can do it. I believe in you. You know, what you're showing is that you have no boundaries for my safety. Mm, not a one. So, Boundaries uh, it is a movie that is written and directed by Shana Fest. Who previously, I believe, made Gwyneth Paltrow's greatest moment, which was Country Strong. Um, it has boundaries. Has a, a, a great cast. Uh, mm. Vera Farmiga, who is just one of my all-time favorite actresses, who is at a point in her career where she's getting fewer and fewer. Well, maybe I don't know. If she, I don't know which it is. I don't know if it's that she's just really choosy because she has all that Bates Motel money, mm. uh, or what. But you know, certainly, you know, um, she could be experiencing what a lot of actresses experience as they get older and are just getting less parts, and maybe she just doesn't want to play the mom role and shit. Mm. Um, but she does here, and she does play a mom here. But she plays, you know, it's a, a more it, you know the character exists in more planes than simply mm. as a as a mother. Um, we have Christopher Plummer. We have Bobby Cannavale, we have Kristen Shaw, we have uh, 
So, uh, so Peter Fonda has a brief mm. appearance in this film, and he has been in the press recently mm-hmm. um, because I believe he tweeted um, something along the lines of, you know, feeling feeling the the correct outrage about the family separations happening at the border. He said something along the lines of, you know, that you know, what if you know Melania should have Baron ripped from her arms and see how that feels. Mm. And um, and we're all acting like that's the thing we should be offended about, right? Like, if you're offended by that and you haven't said anything about what's happening at the border, then go fuck yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, that is not the worst thing that's happening right now. Uh, what he said. That's not no that, that. That's not the problem. That's not the fucking problem. I think what he said is fine. Absolutely fine. I think it's. I think that it is valid. Um, and uh, and it's unfortunate because I was when I was looking at this movie the other day. To get some background on it, and all the news headlines were about all these conservative websites like Peter Fonda's new movie Tanks because of his comments. No. Uh, I'm like, no, actually, it's just a really small movie that was never going to make money anyway. Right. And also, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it has nothing to do with the fact that Peter Fonda made a completely valid and deserved remark mm-hmm. um, about the absolute humanitarian horror show happening in our country. I feel like nobody, they wouldn't really care if they did take Baron. <laughs> is, there, is the issue it didn't <laughs> really cut notice? deep how long would it take for, they, either for, of them... for him to find out that would be the question um, I mean you know, they've already done that with what's her name Tiffany yeah exactly it's like they took one of your kids which one was it Tiffany it's like no oh Tiffany is definitely the Meg of that situation uh. <laughs> <laughs> do you see there's a movie coming out called The Meg no yes but it's, <laughs> but it's not about a Meg it's about like a mega shark so oh. it's, yeah it's like a shark movie Damn. I know, but it's so funny to imagine. Like, it, it's funny all the same. Just picturing this because all the posters like this giant, like ugly, gaping, sharp mouth, and it says like the Meg. Put a little red hat on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, little, Family little, Guy. Little Part of what got us here in the first place, but it still makes me giggle. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, so that's the Meg, but, uh, <laughs> going back to, going back to boundaries. Um, yeah. So what we have here is basically a third rate nineties Sundance quirky mm. family road trip movie. It is Wait, a, there was that one. <laughs> yeah. There was a, there were a few along the way. Yeah. This definitely has a little Miss Sunshine. Miss Sunshine. That's a... I feel like, yeah, after a little Miss Sunshine. Or a little Miss Sundance, you know? <laughs> hey after Little Miss Sunshine achieved the box office and award success that it did, that kind of was, or at least should have been, the end mm. of the quirky pseudo-indie family road trip movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but Shana Fest did not get that memo, and so here we have Boundaries, where, you know, we have, uh, it, you know, it does at least cut down the number of quirky family members that we have in this mm. car from, you know, probably in half. Um, yeah, yeah. From uh, from six to three, so instead we just have one, you know, like angsty, neurotic parent, one kind of you know quirky, but wise beyond their years kid, and one wackadoo old er, old parent who's you know gonna <laughs> grandpa who's you know gonna be the 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 real shit starter. So yeah, so basically it's like Little Miss Sunshine divided in half, both in cast and also in quality. Um. <laughs> It's, uh, and yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, and it is a bummer just because like Vera Famiga and Christopher Plummer are so good. They're mm. such brilliant actors and they're, they do a lot with this material, but the material doesn't deserve them. Christopher Plummer has been very busy this year. He really has. He really has. And he has a, 
he has a kind of a, a, a more youthful vitality in this movie than he mm. um, has had in, in some other recent parts. Uh, he's 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 a rascal. He's a mm. real rascal. This movie, um, I did watch the trailer, seems like it really has a dated view of marijuana. Maybe it's because we live in California where mm-hmm. it's like super... Aren't they also in California here? Well, they're driving to California from Texas. Okay. So the idea okay. is... It's like a very, it's like a Golden Girls setup where, uh, where Vera Farmiga is the Dorothy and Christopher mm-hmm. Plummer is the Sophia mm-hmm. and he's been kicked out of his nursing home. And, um, and the little boy is the Blanche. And, and <laughs> yeah, he's a real... Sludge. <laughs> Total nympho. Um, can't get enough. Stops at every rest stop. Uh, so they have to go to Texas to pick up um, Christopher Plummer, and then they have to drive him to L.A., uh, which is where Vera Farmiga's sister lives, played by Kristen Schaal. And uh, so, yeah, hence the road trip. So they're on their way to California. Um, and, you know, the whole idea is that, you know, Vera and the the the, the whoopsie is that um, Vera Farmiga does not know that her father is also a pot dealer. Um, and that he has smuggled $200,000 of pot into the trunk of the car. And also that he has recruited her son to help him sell it as they make their way west. Mm. Um, and so and so she's just like, you know, having her like neurotic like moments, not even knowing that this is going on. And we know that she resents her father, but for reasons that are never spelled out. Mm. Um, it's like not a single thing. Just we know that like she thinks that he's irresponsible and that he's been a bad dad. We don't get any any color as to why, but um, but yeah, so that's that's like the tension. We're supposed to be like, oh, I wonder if she's going to find out. I wonder. I wonder if she's going to find out about the pot in the trunk of the car. Uh, so yeah, so it just kind of goes through the motions, uh, and there is not a whole lot to it, but it is still well acted with a fun cast. So it has that going for it, if not much else. Wow. Um, it seems like a real disappointment, you know, given that cast. Yeah, yeah. You know, I guess I really, like, I just love Vera Farmiga so much. Mm. Um, anyone who watches Bates Motel, or watched, I should say, um, knows what I'm talking about. She is one of the greats. She deserves much better than Boundaries. Uh, what are you giving it? Uh, it's a consume for me based on the strength of the performances. Mm. Um, you know, and it's not like, you know, it's not like horrible uh it's just really <laughs> it's just really sort of like contrived and over familiar and not fresh and all the other things that i said about it that i don't like um boundaries is rated r for drug material language some sexual reference and nude sketches <laughs> oh right that's the other thing um while they're trying to crank up the quirk meter one of the quirks they give um the teenage son is that when he meets people he sketches he does sketches of what they look like naked in his mind and he gives it to them Wow, what a real peach. Um, <laughs> Which is... What, what, we need to talk about Henry. Exactly. He's a real peach. Just like we were saying, he's an info. Does and, he have a little and book? Like, and like is a it... peach, he's filled with... No. A book of um, Henry? Uh, oh, God. We're, yeah, we're just free associating our way through a number of things we reviewed in the past now. And didn't like. <laughs> um, that's it, Jason. That's it. Um, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Jason is on Twitter at Excess Baggage. I'm at Fight Balance. Uh, thank you so much. Bye, guys. Bye bye. Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. You made it to the end. That's amazing. There, there goes, goes the, the binge. binge.